This is the Washington Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. As you know, this Tuesday was Washington's primary election, and we have some results to discuss. We have convened an all-star panel for you to give you the information you need to go out and hit the doors with confidence. Shasti Conrad is chair of the King County Democrats. Hello, Shasti. Hello, Stephen. And Kat Pipkin, of course, is on the steering committee for the Washington Indivisible Network and is the executive producer of the show. Hello, hello. Hey. Hey. So, look, you guys, Democrats did pretty well across the board. I think it surprised a lot of people. Um, This is a midterm where, you know, things usually swing the other way. We are not seeing the dreaded red wave here in Washington anyway. Um, Shasti, I I know that uh, Tina Podoldowski, chair of the Washington uh, Democrats, uh, said that this primary was the best primary for Democrats, Washington Democrats, in two decades. Do you agree with that assessment? And what do you think informed it? I I do. Um, I think we all were like really pleasantly surprised by how well um, Democrats did on the on the first night on on Tuesday night, because normally, um, you know, progressives get that bump later on in the week. And so to have such, you know, sort of clear victories for a number of our candidates was really exciting. Um, I do think that a lot of it is because of Roe. Um, I think that many people were you know realized and were like we have to do everything we can to stand up for our democracy which you know all of us have been ringing that bell for years but i think overturning a row was just it's a bridge so too far over the line that it really made people wake up and say that they needed to get out um i also think that it's you know the last several months of watching the january 6th um committee and seeing the ways in which republicans and the gop have truly overplayed a hateful, destructive hand. Um, folks are done. You know, folks are like, no, we do not want your government mandates. Um, you are the minority um, party, and we don't want to be ruled by that. And uh, I think it is a referendum on the GOP that you know that people do not like the path that Republicans are taking us down, and they very much wanted to make that point, and so they did, and we're very excited about that on the Democratic side. Sure. I mean, you have culture wars. You have no policy proposals whatsoever. Not a lot to like there. Uh, Kat, just uh, sort of dovetailing on what Shasti was talking about with the Dobbs ruling. Now that this GOP extremism is directly impacting every person in this country who can get pregnant, uh, which is obviously a substantial portion of our electorate, um, how, how much do you attribute, as Shasti is saying, um, this swing toward Democrats uh, related to the Dobbs ruling? I agree with her completely. I think, you know, the clearest example of this is looking at Kansas, where the the electorate overwhelmingly rejected an attempt by the state to make a move to be able to illegalize abortion. And deep red Kansas said, nope, yep. nope, that's a bridge too far. That's government overreach. Um, let's just not go there. And even in places that are deep red, you're seeing a complete backlash against the overreach that Republicans have, you know, the corner that they painted themselves in. So let's talk messaging, which is something that we like to do on this show. Um, Every single uh, GOP Senate candidate across the country, including Tiffany Smiley here at home, is going to have to toe this uh, line on abortion, despite the fact that only 18 percent of voters support a, a total ban. 
Kat, you know, you and I talk about this a lot. How do we keep using this effectively in our case against the GOP? I mean, the messaging can't be all about abortion, of course. So how do we how do we sort of balance this? Uh, I think we've got two really strong legs to have values based discussions on um, with with anybody at the doors, anybody in the grocery line. Um, the fact is that the overwhelming majority of people in this country support a broad range of values that we all agree on. And Democrats are the only party who will do everything in their power to restore rights um, whereas, you know, the MAGA Republicans, uh, not only planned, but they paid for and then attempted to pardon January 6th insurrection. So we've got two major prongs of, of actual harm, actual damage that this party as a whole, as a party, has gone down. Let's talk about some of the results specifically, uh, here at home in Washington, starting with the Senate. So Patty Murray, uh, currently has 53% of the vote with uh, Republican Tiffany Smiley, as I mentioned, getting just 32%. There was worried that this race was going to be a lot more competitive. Uh, Shasti, I know that you and I were out at the protest at the GOP headquarters on election night. What are your thoughts on the outcome of this race? Yeah, I mean, I know definitely there were concerns about, um, you know, how this was going to play for Senator Murray. Um, she hasn't had a, you know, major challenger for many years. She did better than she did in 2010. Um, and so I think, you know, we can feel, we can feel really good about it. Um, you know, we will definitely still need to do everything we can to ensure, um, her victory in November. But I think, again, it's like what we were saying earlier about this messaging that the, you know, the GOP, um, has been running on isn't, isn't meeting um, voters. It isn't working for them. I did, I was watching some of the coverage of the protests that you and I did. Um, and it was interesting because um, Tiffany Smiley immediately was in response to us, I think, was saying, no, no, you know, I, 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 I support abortion, you know, was kind of backtracking and was starting to actually be like, no, 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 I wouldn't do that. Um, and it's clear to me that that they are definitely feeling it. I think they're realizing that this is a losing um, message that years past, you know, traditional um, rhetoric would tell you that creating these culture wars does pay off for Republicans. And this time they overplayed it and it didn't it didn't work and it's not working for Tiffany Smiley. And we need to hold their feet to the fire on that for sure. And not for nothing, by the way, I would just mention that at that same protest, uh, you and I met the good space guy. <laughs> Everybody knows the good space guy, right? He shows up on the ballot uh, every single election. Um, he Was he what you thought he would be, Shasti? I was quite surprised. I will admit it felt a little bit like a celebrity sighting. I yeah. was like... He, um, you know, as you as you saw as well, he had his name, Good Space Guy, on his shirt. Good branding. And I, Good branding. You know, I was like, Are, is it you? Is it really you? And he was like, yes, yes, it's me. Um, and uh, he actually came up and he thanked us for our protest. Um, he clearly had come to the Issaquah Hilton to go to the GOP's party, um, but decided to come out and come say hello to us. And he said something really interesting. He said, you know, I'm a Christian. But I was raised to believe that people have freedom of choice. And, uh, you know, I think it's an important note that sometimes even these folks that you assume you're going to be complete polar opposites and you'll never find anything to agree on. On some of these major issues like um, like abortion, there is some commonality there. There is some agreement that people should have that we don't believe in forced births. You know, like at a minimum, we don't think that a 10 year old 
to be forced to carry their rapist baby. Um, that we do believe that women have um, autonomy over their own bodies and to be able should be able to make their own healthcare choices. So it was nice to have that little moment with with Good Space Guy. <laughs> it's surprisingly very very nice guy, as I say. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Kim Schreier in my home district, the 8th CD. So as of right now, she's at 47%. She got just 42% in the 2020 primary. Uh, as of last night, uh, Reagan Dunn conceded to Matt Larkin, and Matt Larkin is going to be Schreier's opponent. He is a MAGA Republican uh, who will not say that the 2020 election was legitimate. Uh, Shasti, were you surprised by his victory here? And I wonder how you think that changes the dynamic of this race. I mean, she, you know, I, I was surprised that it ended up being Larkin. I mean, she had a number of, um, you know, Republican challengers that represent different aspects of that party. You know, here in King County, we certainly know Reagan Dunn. And um, I was surprised to see that Reagan Dunn conceded. Um, I think that for uh, Schreier's chances, I think that now there's such a clear polarity between her and Larkin, that it makes her chances better. My hope is that she will pick up some of the moderates that were supporting Reagan Dunn. But I do think that it also means that it will be an uglier race in the sense that Matt Larkin is from the sort of like QAnon and, you know, like you said, the big lie supporters. And I think that they're going to probably be much more willing to go um, really, really low and try to paint um, her, paint Schreier as you know, some sort of Seattle socialist and, and use really um, big, colorful language to try to paint her as someone that is completely out of step with the district. And that is something that likely will not play here in the eighth is my gut sense. Uh, however, it did wind up playing down in the third. I will just mention that Jamie Herrera Butler, who was one of the, uh, the the members of Congress to vote for impeachment following the insurrection, uh, is in danger of not making the final primary. It looks like Dan Newhouse might squeak by, but this is a brand new dynamic that we're seeing in this uh, election and uh, certainly not a favorable trend at all. Um, one state race that I want to discuss with you guys is the Secretary of State race. So Steve Hobbs surprised everybody, and, and we had him on the show. We, we've talked a lot about this race. Um, he dominated this this primary cat. I wonder what do we what do you think we attribute this to? Is, is it just people voting a straight Democrat uh, ticket on their ballots? Uh, other factors? What do you think? I think that people are smart enough to not buy into her shtick. And by her, you mean uh, uh, Anderson, who is Julie the, Anderson? Julie Anderson is, is Julie. she claims to be a nonpartisan. Uh, right. In the case. Right. But also, we've done a good job in the state. Hobbs has done a good job. He's doing a good job as Secretary of State. He has what it takes to help protect elections and protect state data. He's got cybersecurity chops. So, um, you know, there's straight devoting. There's pushback against Republican overreach, you know, in general. But then there's, I think that we need to give him the props for having actually been doing a good job in the job, right? I mean, he deserves the job. He's he's earning the job. Well, this, it's also interesting to note that this will be the first time, I believe, that a Republican will not be on the ballot. And so a Republican will not be taking this job. <laughs> That's the first time in, I believe, almost 60 years, which is, is quite a remarkable thing. Um, I'm going to shift over and talk about the legislative races, because there were a number that we were tracking here on the show. One of the most closely watched was in the 26th. This was Senator Emily Randall. 
uh, looking to hold on to her seat. Uh, and I think we were expecting it to be a hell of a lot closer than it was. She dominated her MAGA opponent, Jesse Young, 52 to uh, 43, uh, with no other major opponents. So that's pretty much what I think you might be looking at going into the, the general. Um, Shasti, what went right here? What do you think? I think you have to give credit to Emily. Um, I really think that she has done the work both in the Senate and in her district. You know, she um, really fought hard to, um, you know, get uh, some funding for the Tacoma um, Tacoma Bridge uh, in her district. And she's been knocking all the doors. You know, she Emily is one of the most um, active legislators that we have in the state. You know, she really has shown up for her constituents. And I think that that matters, you know, and um, she was definitely, you know, the district that everyone was the most worried about. You would hear it for the last year. You heard people talk about, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do about keeping Emily? And uh, and so the fact that she would end up above 50 percent is just a testament to to Emily and, you know, and the organizing efforts of you know, the Indivisibles um, the party and 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 caucuses and whatnot to to turn out voters in her district. Yeah, it's just huge, right? Uh, and and just a wonderful surprise there. And, and I think you're absolutely right that there's so much uh, that we can attribute to the job that Emily Randall has done in her district. The other race that we've really been keeping a close eye on is the the race in the 47th. Uh, this is uh, South King County and and Kent. And this is a race that I've heard Democratic strategists and analysts refer to as a national bellwether. Like people all over the country are keeping an eye on this race. And there are very remarkable things to note about this, uh, the, the, the results of this primary. Um, right now, the, uh, the, the Senate race to replace uh, Mona Doss, uh, Satwinder Carr and Claudia Kaufman. This is too close to call. They are neck and neck. But Shasti, I'll just ask you, who do you think, in your mind, would have the better shot against Republican Bill Boyce? Well, I mean, look, I, it is pretty incredible to see how close they are. And what I love the most is that combined, um, there's more Democratic votes um, in for that seat than there is for Bill Boyce. Um, that makes me really happy. I think, you know, we are supporting Satwinder. You know, we believe she's done an amazing job on the Kent City Council. She's built a diverse coalition. Um, and I think she really, you know, she knows Bill Boyce. She's been serving on that council with him. I think that she's done a lot of the work that he's going to claim that he did. Um, and the successes of the council, he, you know, that he's going to claim were because of him or were really because of Satwinder. So I think she's, you know, she's she's who we're supporting. If it ends up being Claudia, we'll be thrilled. You know, we will do everything we can to support Claudia. Um, you know, Claudia held that seat previously. And it's great that that means that our person's going to be a woman of color. Um, so, you know, that we are we're we're holding that for a moment. I know how important that is to Senator Doss. Um, so it is a fascinating race. I think, honestly, that a lot of what came down to the decision making is the Seattle Times versus the Strangers endorsement. The Stranger endorsed Claudia, and I think that that helped her. And most people would think the way that they would talk about the 47th was that it's different from Seattle, you know, but I think as the um, housing um, has become more and more expensive in Seattle, you have more folks moving into places like Kent, and those folks still get online or they read The Stranger, and they made their choices based um, a lot on on that on that endorsement. Hi, Will. Hi, Rich. Thank you so much for your work. Um, 
another race in the 47th that I want to uh, get your thoughts on, Shasti, is the race to replace Representative Pat Sullivan. So two Dems are, are neck and neck on this one, uh, Chris Stearns and Shukri Olo. This race is too close to call. But as I mentioned, this is a national bellwether race, and this race may not have a Republican in it. So what do we make of that? Well, as a, you know, the leader of the King County Democrats, I'm thrilled. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> both, both Chris and Shukri, I think, are fantastic. And so we'll be if that's where we end up and it's either one of them, we're in we're in a great place. Um, and again, like, you know, before before Tuesday, everyone was talking about how the Republicans were going to take back potentially all three seats. So I think, you know, it speaks to what we were talking about earlier about how this messaging that the GOP has just totally gone down that road. It's not working. And I think people are, you know, fighting back and they're saying like, no, these are the folks that we're going to trust. And um, and I think, you know, the the 47th is one of the most diverse districts in the entire state. And, you know, Chris is um, indigenous and Shukri is um, East African. And I think they speak to the people that live in that district, you know, and I think those dynamics have shifted and that really makes that matters. Yep. Yep. Kat, I, I see you smiling here. So I'll put the next question to you, uh, which is more good news. This is the race in the 30th LD. Uh, in, incumbent Representative Jamila Taylor got 54 percent. Senator Claire Wilson, uh, 54 percent. Christine Reeves looking to reclaim her seat at 43 percent. What are your thoughts generally on these margins in, in the 30th? Well, Claire and Jamila are outstanding legislators and it's clear that their district did not fall for the law and order scare tactics that are being used, specifically in that district as a result, uh, you know, as pushback against Jesse and, and 1310 and some of the other bills that were passed. I do think that we need to be aware of and develop messaging around the fact that law and order um, is going to be a Republican talking point at the doors. And I think that we need to acknowledge that and address it. Um, but the fact is that we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can have police reform and we can have police accountability and we can have public safety for everybody. And that is what they stand for in that district. And it showed in the numbers that people get that. Shasti, I'm guessing that you agree with, with what Kat is saying. What, what would you add to that? I do. I mean, the 30th and the 47th were the two legislative districts that we were the most concerned about. And so to see Claire um, um, and and Jamila get over 50 percent and then, you know, with Christine Reeves and the other Democrat in the race, also those combined over 50 percent. Thrilled. Um, I also think that it's important to speak to the fact that even on our side of the aisle of the Democratic caucus, Um, There was a lot of concern about the police accountability um, laws that were passed in session um, in the um, beyond previous. As Kat was referring to, this was what Jesse Johnson was in part responsible for those bills, right? Yes. And, you know, the caucus was very concerned that those bills would make it so that Jesse would lose, that Jamila would lose. Um, And I think that it's a sign that sometimes like, no, people want Democrats to be bold. We we want Democrats who are going to address 
social issues that are going to actually help people. And so when we do this backtracking or we worry about like, oh, it might upset, you know, the like 10 moderates that are still left, um, then we're losing. And we actually are turning off people who would wholeheartedly jump on board of a winning party um, who's standing up for things that need to be addressed, like police accountability. We're making a big error. And I really hope that these lessons um, are taken into account as we move forward. And then it makes the caucuses feel stronger about taking um, more progressive stances when they are in session and when they are on the doors. So I just, you know, so often we call it the Republicans, but I think sometimes we do need to do that internal look and say, look, that fear wasn't real. Yeah. And, and Kat, actually, I'm going to put this to you just because this is something that we've discussed here on this show. I mean, this isn't a binary question, is it? And I think maybe that is the, the route to success here is that you can have accountability and public safety at the same time. Right. It's not a, it's not a binary choice. Absolutely. Right. The, the question is, how do you frame the conversation about public safety? We want public safety for the whole community not just for certain segments of the community. Yep, yep. I want to scan other key races uh, very quickly. So in the 44th, this is uh, Snohomish, State Representative appointee Brandy Donaghy did very, very well with 54%. Uh, also, April Berg did well with uh, 58%, really, really well. John Lovick, who vacated his seat to run for Senate, is at 58% as well. Uh, in my district, the 5th, um, Representative Bill Ramos and Representative Lisa Cowan did very, very well against their GOP challengers. And then uh, our friend, Senate candidate Sharon Shoemaker is at 47% up in Bellingham in the 42nd. Shasti, I know you've also been watching the 10th LD. This is largely in Island County. Uh, what can you tell us about that race? Well, it's exciting in the 10th is that it looks like Clyde Shavers um, uh, is winning um, for one of the state uh, House seats. And that would be a pickup for us. Um, it has been held by a Republican. And then Dave Paul, who this was um, his first reelection, um, is also holding off a challenger. So it's great news. Um, again, you know, we were very nervous about a number of these, all of the seats that you talked about. There was the possibility of um, even potentially not having any of the black incumbents heading back um, to session this next year, except for David Hackney in the 11th, who was safe. And so it's really thrilling to see that, you know, we got all three in the 44th, um, all the four, all of those incumbents are returning um, and, you know, and to see what were the pickup opportunity in the time. Kat, you had some things you wanted to say about the 44th race as well, right? Well, I think the fact that they're all excellent legislators and outstanding organizers really shows and pays off. Um, and plus, I just want to lift up the fact that the indivisible groups, both in the 42nd and the 44th and the 10th, you know, those three districts in particular um, have outstanding collaboration with be, between all of the indivisible groups there who are out wholeheartedly working on these races. Yeah, here, here to that, I, I would actually just give a shout out to all of our amazing organizers, all of our indivisible organizers all across the state. You've done extraordinary work uh, and the results have, have very much paid off. Um, the other factor in all of this besides organizing is money, right, Shasti? How do you see the role of money uh, in this primary election? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just important to point out there are several articles um, in the last couple of weeks about the dark outside money that was being spent um, against 
a number of the Senate candidates um, and Senate incumbents that were in these kind of toss-up districts, particularly the most money was spent against John Lovick in the 44th. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to give a shout out to to all of you because we often say that organizing power, people power, is what we have to go up against that type of money. And in this particular primary, like, it worked, you know, and that isn't always the case. I feel like as a progressive, these last couple of years, I felt like we've been losing um, at times against that those that big money, and it feels really good to be able to show that like that organizing power really does matter. Yep, and I, I think uh, that again the results speak for themselves. Um, I'll just ask you one final question, Shasti. How do we keep this momentum going through to the general? What do you think? I think it's really important that we not rest on our laurels. You know, I think that we got a bump from the Dobbs decision, um, but that won't necessarily carry us all the way through to November. Um, my hope is that we get some, you know, some big accomplishments um, from the Biden administration in the next couple of months, which would be really helpful. Well, we certainly have one on the uh, just on the cusp of happening. Yeah, right. <laughs> the inflation um, bill. Yeah, we we got Senator Cinema on board. Yes. So let's see if we can get yes. across the finish line. Yes, um, I would love to see student debt cancellation. You know, in September or October. Um, and, you know, a number of these races, you know, like Sharon Schumacher up in the 40 seconds, like she got 47%. It's not a guarantee that she's going, that all of those other voters are all going to coalesce around her. So we need to make sure that that organizing power that we talked about, that we keep showing up at the doors, we keep making those phone calls, we keep our text messaging up, we keep doing the work and reminding people of these stark differences between the GOP and the, what, what, where they're headed and what it means to give them power, what, what that will do to democracy, um, versus if we can really do this and if we can get, you know, two more senators, we can get really progressive things done at the national level. You know, if we can get a wider margin of progressive Democrats in the state house and the state senate, we can get more things done. Um, that actually will help people. So we just have to keep ringing that bell, doing the work. And uh, and now I'm like got a little more pep in my step as I head towards November. <laughs> I think we all do. And I think there's very much a lesson in here that many of us have absorbed. And I'm, I'm happy to say that we have. I think uh, we've learned some very painful lessons in the past uh, about getting a little complacent when we have our victories. And so I think we're all staying very, very vigilant right now. Uh, I will say thank you to both of you. I will also mention, yes, my camera looks weird, y'all. I know that it does. I, I got a new camera. I'm still messing with the, the filters and the settings and things. Right? If anybody knows how to do a proper white balance, please, you know, hit me with an email. I need it. All right, that'll do it for this week. Thank you, Shasti. Thank you so much. And thank you, Kat. Thanks. And that'll do it for this week. The executive producer of the show is Kat Pipkin. If you would like to see a video version of this podcast, head to facebook.com slash indivisible podcast. The email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Lori Kowal. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. I'm Stephen Cox, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.